0: It's Friday, which means it's time once again for the best movie podcast ever, the only movie podcast to offer objective and hyperbole-free discussion of every movie in the known universe. I am your host, the podcaster with no name, Conrad, and with me as always, making a difference metaphorically, it's Anthony James.
1: That's me. (laughs) Good afternoon, (laughs) good night. (laughs)
0: Anthony, how the devil are you?
1: Not bad. I'll tell you what, Conrad, the reason why I stumbled over my intro there for a second was because... I was kind of trying to think of the next line, uh, making make a different metaphorically. Making a literal difference metaphorically, yeah, 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 that's right, yeah.
0: that's right. So I actually screwed up the line, essentially, is what's happening well, so, like, I, I, I didn't
1: know you screwed it up, but we've got there now. You did screw it up. I'm sorry. Yeah, we've Connor. arrived at it. So you're the one who screwed me up, because I knew something was wrong right in my head there.
0: Yeah. Well, so for the listeners <laughs> at home, uh, this week we are going to be talking about big arms in Marvel movies, uh, back to the feature, and Bo Burnham making one of the best comedy specials just about of all time, I think it's fair to say. Would you v- agree with that?
1: Oh yeah, he's definitely topped his first two. I- I'm really yeah. Good. It's oh uh, he's, uh, he's he's a legend. I- I'll get. It. I, I can I
0: can't wait to discuss it. I really yeah. can't.
1: I'll, I'll gush. I'll gush over him later on. But I- I've been a big fan of him like a long time. I remember waiting for his second one to come out, and the fact that he's he's done, <laughs> in my opinion, as good if not better a job in the third one. Very rare, unbelievable
0: yeah no it's it's um it's an unreal um it's it's gotten me into bo burnham um his new uh, his new comedy special and we are here to talk about it so i say without further ado let's talk about some gosh darn movies let us do it Movies, we're here to talk about them, and we're not here to, to faff around with anything else. Uh, there'll be no preamble here. The the first thing that I think we need to talk about, the whole internet was a buzz about it, and that is uh, your Chris Hemsworth is fucking jacked um, yes. on the set of um, Thor Love and Thunder. There was a image of him and Taika Waititi circulating, setting Twitter abuzz. Um, and I have just sent it to you, Anthony. Uh, okay. So for the listeners at home, would you kindly open the image that I've sent you Um, and we want, I want to get like an honest reaction to how big Chris Hemsworth is now.
1: Okay. Give me a second. Uh, Thor Jacked is what you've called it. (laughs) Yep.
0: All right. Here we go. I like to honestly title my images. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) Listeners at home. I like go and look at the Marvel Twitter feed, the Marvel studios, Twitter feed, find this image of, of Chris Hemsworth. The man is like we talked a few weeks ago, uh, probably a few months ago now, about how Chris Hemsworth is going to play Hulk Hogan in a biopic, That's- and I was kind of like, I I can't I can't really see it. Also, Hulk Hogan's a piece of shit, like so it's a shame, but like I couldn't really see it. But holy shit, is Chris
1: Hemsworth big now? I actually, funny you said that. I forgot for that split second that he was playing Hulk Hogan, and when yeah. and when you just said, look at his arms, I looked at his arms. I thought to myself, that is like a a wrestler's dream.
0: Yeah. That's a 24-inch python right there. That's like, yeah. there's no messing about with <laughs> like, like those. The,
1: you know, those arms are what, like, the best wrestlers, like, who, what, like, the best f- physique-style wrestlers. They have that for, like, six months of their career. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, they yeah. Have they, that that's where
0: they're getting pushed. When they get <laughs> pushed for the world title, that's what their arms look like, and then they get fat. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, holy smokes, Chris Hemsworth- Whoa. Doing, doing the Lord's work. All right, God all right. bless him. All right. yeah. I'm loving, I'm loving yeah.
1: Taika Waititi in the Korg outfit next to him too. Yeah. With
0: his like, like face dots, so they can map the uh map the the the, the graphics onto his
1: face. No wonder, um, no wonder he's having some uh, cast party menage a down there. Look with that with that costume. Nope, no wonder. Listen,
0: you know, like if 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 I if Chris Hemsworth invited me to a menage a I would I'd, I'd struggle to turn him down. To be honest, like he's a a very handsome man. I don't and think Chris Hemsworth was
1: involved, uh, but yes. Are you
0: talking about Taika Waititi?
1: Taika Waititi? <laughs> yeah, no, Ta- there's pictures of Taika Waititi loving up with two of the. Uh, two of the actresses i believe uh oh okay in the early hours of a cast party so lovely well i
0: mean you know what what goes on on set stays on set this isn't the tabloid so we're not going to talk too much about it but you know (laughs) (laughs) well i mean you know good for them everyone's as long as everyone's consenting and having fun that's all that matters and chris emsworth may or may not be involved i my lawyers are informing me he (laughs) was in the gym he was in the gym at the time yeah, it's probably just drinking a bunch of eggs, yeah. like um, like uh, uh, Brit Marling at the beginning of the OA, <laughs> yeah. just, well, just downing a fucking Brit jug of eggs. Child
1: version, um, yeah, that's, that, yeah a twenty
0: egg omelet or whatever it was.
1: Why why didn't that child version of Brit Marling have the massive arms like Crimson?
0: Yeah, that's a that's a massive continuity error that we've never discussed in the OA. <laughs> that she should be absolutely fucking yoked. Yeah. If and I do I do mean that uh, pun. That's enough. a good point. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so. Chris Hemsworth, looking like he's ready to play Hulk Hogan. Um, And in keeping with the wrestling theme, something um, interesting got announced, I think it was today. Did you watch any of the uh, Vice Dark Side of the Ring documentaries?
1: Uh, No, I didn't, actually. So
0: I've only watched a couple of them. They're supposed to be really, really good. So basically Vice, uh, the kind of online, I guess you'd call them like an editorial outlet. um, They did a series on various different topics, Within, um, within the world of wrestling professional wrestling mm-hmm. and um, they have announced that they are going to do a feature length documentary on China uh, the WWE star which um, based on the quality of those Dark Side of the Ring um, shorts I think they're about half an hour long mm-hmm. each of them I am very much looking forward to and China is an interesting subject certainly
1: and is that going to be just like put up on the YouTube item, or maybe the
0: I think so yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I don't. Okay. I, I may, it might get a limited release but I don't I, I think with everything Vice makes even if it's like an hour long. It just goes on their YouTube channel and their website.
1: Okay, well, you know, from what I've heard about China in the last few weeks, maybe they have to be a bit... uh, I'll have to go into that one with (laughs) certain expectations. But but, but no, I think China is... Even though she was very much in the public eye and did all that uh, kind of stuff, I think that there is... Yeah, a, a lot I don't know about her. Like, there's a lot. She's quite a mysterious character to me. Is it? maybe maybe not if you're like really really into it. Like, I'm not really into looking into the wrestlers' lives. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. So maybe there are people who like know a lot about China already, but I would like to watch it because I'll learn more. Yeah,
0: I think I think it should could. Be, I don't know how much like behind the scenes footage they're actually going to get, but I think it will be interesting to. Just see something that kind of redresses the balance a little bit because she's one of those wrestlers whose career has kind of been downplayed a bit by WWE's nasty habit of like whitewashing yep. the stuff it doesn't like out of its past, and then being like, ah, oh, you know, China, she was, you know, she was there. When in reality, you know, she was a massive star in the WWE in like the late '90s and early 2000s. But because yep. you know she got into drugs and uh, and you know did some. I'm not going to say questionable career choices, but did some more adult career choices um, uh, that maybe they don't like with their family friendly audience, uh, their attempts to appeal to a more kind of family friendly uh, product now. Uh, they've just kind of ignored and ignored her career. So this could be really cool, I think. Yeah, uh, and I, I think as well, at.
1: like it's, it's a, what you've just said is a culture of like having the WWE be, you know, it's kind of like if Disney uh, also owned the Oscars. You know, uh, they they Which, they decide. Don't put it. Wins. Don't put it past them. I, I mean, like, <laughs> like, let's be honest. Yeah, there probably there probably is a lot of uh stuff going on there, like, uh, <laughs> yeah. b- but that sort of thing. But you know, WWE decide. Yeah, who who is li- who lives in our memory and who doesn't? Uh, and China yeah. is one that has been lost a little bit, even though it was incredible. Yeah. Like you know, sh- the way like I know wrestling is scripted and stuff. You know, and uh <laughs> but but the way she would have went toe to toe with the men uh, was actually really before, like you know yeah she was the like the only
0: woman who yeah. wasn't like hyper yeah. and you know she was uh you know competing with men only ever woman female intercontinental champion she was she was a big deal yeah um and yeah as you say wwe they've convinced us that uh, ultimate warrior wasn't a massive homophobe and uh dx were on the same level as the nwo yeah. both lies of equal horror i would i would say yeah. that's a joke Ultimate Warrior was a massive home vote. Fuck him. Um, but th- yeah, so that's gonna that's gonna do it for our new segment this week. Moving swiftly on from uh, from the hole that I just uh, potentially dug myself, <laughs> we're gonna now take a take a. It's not a U turn. It's a kind of gentle curve into the exciting game show segment that all the kids are talking about. It is, of course, Back to the Feature! Yeah! Not
1: quite new new anymore. I noticed he's dropped the new word out there. It's still new. It's still new to me. It's still new, but we've we've seen seen the transition now. See, next (laughs) week, this is like a subtle transition, guys. You don't realise next week, Conrad won't mention it's new and I won't mention the fact that he didn't mention it was new. So that'll be properly not new anymore.
0: Yeah, it'll be ingrained Mm. at that point. So, for those of you who've never heard before, I have selected a feature film from 25 years ago, uh, as close to today as possible. Doesn't always work out perfectly. Anthony will hear five clues and have five opportunities to guess the film. Um, Each clue that he hears will lower the amount of points he will receive ultimately. And of course, we encourage you to play along at home. I love hearing people in the comments telling me what clue they would have gotten it on um, because it lets me know whether my clues are good or not. There's no rhyme or reason to these clues. I try to make them get easier as they go along. But to be honest, I haven't seen this film in, I'm going to say, 25 years. No, wait, hold on. How, how long did it come you, out? You, yeah, you saw it on the release date. Yeah. <laughs> the it, no, it. I literally, I think I saw this film when it came out. So, um... Okay. I have just realised how stupid that makes me sound because I literally just said I picked a film from 25 years ago today. And... <laughs> Honestly. Listen, I've been unwell this week, alright listeners, you leave me alone. Um, so yeah, I think I haven't seen this film in about 25 years, um, so my clues hopefully will shepherd you towards the answer. Um, but without further ado, Anthony, are you ready for Back to the Feature? I'm ready. Okay. Here we go. Clue the first. This dark comedy was co-written by Judd Apatow, though he did not receive a credit for it.
1: Interesting. So an in early, Judd Apatow. Yeah, very early for him. Very early. I've given
0: you. I've given you the genre.
1: Yeah, dark comedy. Yes, thank A you. A dark
0: comedy. Yeah.
1: Oh, dark comedy. In 1996. Dark comedy. Like. <laughs> I'm <laughs> I'm finding this very difficult to be honest with you. I I I don't I've no idea what type of dark like, comedy or dark comedy Jod Apate would have started with. Um
0: It's hard after the first clue as well. Yeah, no to come I know, I know. Cause, cause you it's know, so broad. I give
1: the most thought to the first clue because I yeah. could pull out a five pointer, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Um Uh not gonna be true <laughs> clerks
0: check with the computer it is not clerks It's oh. a decent a decent guess i think clerks may have been a little earlier than 96 you made my heart Miranda. jump
1: there because the only other time you ever said uh, check the computer is when it's right <laughs> you, you've, you've introduced yeah. it now that now i'll yeah. never know again
0: yeah no I, i've got to i've got to maintain the mystery yeah. and like the the sense of uh, of tension i don't
1: think clerks was earlier than 96 though i, 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 might, I might it be might been later i might be wrong but i don't think it was
0: yeah, it could it, maybe it's later. Um I'm not a big Kevin Smith fan to be honest. I'm not either. Um, I'm not
1: either to be honest.
0: Um okay, clue the second. We could talk about that one day. Maybe. Yeah. Um this was Ben Stiller's second feature length directorial effort at the age of 31, which is a, a big old fuck you to Ben Stiller.
1: Hmm. <laughs> second directorial yeah. film by Ben's.
0: Full disclosure, I haven't seen his first one. It was it was a couple of years before this.
1: Okay, John Apatow, Ben Stiller, Ben Stiller's first offering. That's quite difficult. That's quite difficult.
0: Hmm. It is a tough one this week. I'm not going to lie to you. I don't expect you to get this because I wouldn't have got it if I didn't know.
1: Okay. I, I can't even ask a question. I'm really wondering now is Ben Stiller in it? I'm assuming he is. Um, um, okay, I, I don't. It's a dark comedy. I have no clue. Friday. <laughs> <laughs>
0: check, check with the Ice Cube database. It is not Friday.
1: Also, I didn't mean dark comedy in that way. Just get off me.
0: <laughs> well, moving on from that. <laughs> The third clue. Um, When negotiating his $20 million salary for this movie, Jim Carrey insisted that his attorney and two managers wear Ace Ventura dressing gowns.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, okay. I think I know what it is.
0: I can't believe that Jim Carrey was this weird at at this early stage (laughs) in his career, but this is before the Melissa McCarthy stuff.
1: I've got it. Okay. I think I've got it. What's this? Okay. Is this three points?
0: It's the three pointer. Ah, uh,
1: that's alright. The cable guy. Let's
0: check with the computer. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the cable guy. Anthony picked one out of the top drawer oh, once yes. again. I didn't think you were gonna get that. I did not think you were gonna get that one.
1: When I said the first time I said I got it, I thought it was Man on the Moon. And then and then I readjusted my thoughts and I thought, no, but I know actually I've heard Ben Stiller directed the cable guy. That's very, that's very impressive. Because I, I haven't seen
0: the Cable Guy for about 25
1: years. I remember
0: very little about it. I'm the
1: same as you. I, I honestly, I didn't see it when it, when it first came out. I was only five at that time. But I, I, I saw it before I turned 12, we'll say. Okay. Well, well done.
0: That's amazing. We'll go through the final two clues just to see if. Um, if it would have made things any clearer or perhaps made them more opaque <laughs> um so the 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 fourth clue would have been adam sandler was considered for the role of the lead after whom the movie is named and the final clue which i rewrote several times because i think it was going to make it too easy if i kept it the way i had it initially was uh judd Apatow, who was a producer on this movie as well as co-writing it recalled a story where comedian daniel larry whitney aka larry the cable guy um Telephoned him to complain about the title of this movie, which he felt was going to impact uh, his own television character. But I had to admit the bit about him being like the cable
1: guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I wouldn't have got that. Uh, so I'm, I'm glad that I got it at the time. I, I got it based on just my knowledge of Jim Carrey and Ben Stiller's careers. That's yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. I, I think that's that's an absolutely top-notch performance there in Back to the Feature. Yes. Um, you, you should be very proud of yourself, I uh, and I hope you at home have, uh, have enjoyed yourself
1: as well. <laughs> I, I always loved, like, I, I, it was some people who said last week that they, they wouldn't have got it based on all the clues, which I thought's really cool because I got it after the second clue, and then they still were thinking, like, oh, would I have got it? Like, So even after you mention what it is, they're still able to think on the next clue, would I have got it? Would I have got it? You know? Yeah. Yeah,
0: and it lets me know if my clues are bad yeah. <laughs> as well. Because well, a lot your clues of these have I'm been just... very good
1: the last few weeks. So i getting getting
0: them. That's true. Well, it depends how you how you qualify goodness of the clues. <laughs> yeah, no, no. In my mind, my clues should not be allowed, not be guiding you to the answers. <laughs> so maybe I need to make them harder. Um, Anthony, what do you say we talk about some movies? Okay. Or well, a movie. <laughs> <laughs> let's, <laughs> like... let's do it. Okay. So. Um, we're, we're arriving now at the at the meat of the issue, which is uh, a movie that Anthony and I have both watched. Uh, and yes, and it, is, th- it
1: does count as a movie. Let's just get that. Yeah, out of
0: absolutely, it does. Yeah, so I think that that's probably a good place to start with this. Um, we are, of course, talking about uh, Bo Burnham's latest comedy uh, show, Inside, which released, I believe, everywhere on Netflix um, a week ago. Thirtieth
1: of May. If it may, okay. It's yeah, 100% so a little... Netflix produced. So therefore, yeah. well, 100% Bo Burnham produced, but it's a Netflix full original. So it would pre- it would be released worldwide. I think the yeah. ones that don't release worldwide have like licensing with other things, you know.
0: Yeah. Now, and I, and I can hear, as, as you've just kind of preempted there, I can hear maybe some people, not our listeners, but just, you know, general discourse on the internet being like, this isn't a movie. Uh, there's no like narrative. Uh, there are no kind of overarching themes. To which I say, you did not watch this comedy special because there are clearly there is clearly a narrative, yeah. there is clearly massive character development, and the production of it is such that you can't call it anything but a movie. It's a feature length exploration of Bo Burnham's lockdown creative process, essentially. Yeah. And to, w- um, to which
1: I say, chorus is coming up. Uh, that's a deep cut, Bo Burnham. Uh, but yeah,
0: yeah. But uh, so okay. I mean, let's start. Um, Let's start with with I guess guess the basics. Mm -hmm. Um, The music in this, like it's it's Bo Burnham's, uh, you know, meat and and potatoes. His songs are where he does the majority of his work, Mm -hmm. and I think in this they are all exceptional. I don't think there's a bad song in this. Um, And I and I'm coming to this as someone who we we've talked about this off air before, but but you had you had introduced me to Bo Burnham. probably maybe four, four or five, years yeah, ago four, now yeah. something like that and i and it was one of those things as i'm want to do where i was like oh that's really cool and then i didn't really check out much more of his stuff and then i saw this and i immediately went and watched it again with my partner <laughs> and then immediately messaged you and was like holy shit this is so good <laughs> yeah. um and then went and watched everything else bo, or every other comedy show mm. that bo burnham has ever done how, how, how did you as, as you're more of a Fan, I guess, or, or certainly a longer-standing fan mm-hmm. of Boban and am. How, how did you find the
1: music? I, I'm going to be honest with you. Well, obviously it was amazing. Let's be let's be clear, but it wasn't what I expected um, in terms okay. of in terms of the music, because he has been moving towards more sort of, I suppose, cori- uh, no No. no composed pieces behind him singing on stage he doesn't want to be stuck behind the piano the whole time uh the keyboard but so i was expecting i was expecting i honestly was expecting more of him just sitting in the room playing the piano singing to us i was not expecting like i know we're not talking about it right now but the lighting and the production value that he put into his songs yeah i i wasn't expecting that i wasn't expecting how well mixed and 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 composed the songs were. It wasn't just him on the the keyboard. These were like some of these are banging pop songs. Like you know, oh absolutely, yeah. yeah, yeah.
0: There 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 are songs in here that I had stuck in my head for days afterwards. I still have them stuck in my head. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know, we can we can talk about the production. I think I I think it bears talking about. So certainly one of the things I I don't want to get into a big debate of like you know what is a movie, Mm -hmm. but I think the production in this. He's astounding. For for one man, I know he had help like, in terms of there are other producer credits on this, which to me implies that there are maybe people helping him source the equipment and maybe giving him advice on how to use it. I also think, actual... I saw,
1: I think I also saw possibly a credit uh, towards someone maybe grading some stuff for him. I think maybe yeah. he sent some stuff uh, or used a Google Drive or whatever to get them stuff graded by someone else yeah. and then back to him for the editing.
0: Yeah, but so you know, I I don't want to diminish the work of anyone else on this because there were other people working on it. But my impression is that he did the lion's share of the production of yeah. the choreography of the uh i don't even know what you call it like but in theater terms you know the kind of setting of the stage with Blocking, the lighting yeah. cues oh yeah, yeah, like, yeah that's lighting cue. and and it, and it is it is so good you know and, and and it it's a sign of how good it is that the the opening song um where ed bo burnham is singing about how he's got some content yeah, for yeah, us yeah. uh obviously you know he's a he's a child of child of youtube yeah um and it begins with he's in a dark room with what looks like a headlamp on, and as the song progresses, he he lifts his head up, turns the headlamp on, and the headlamp shines onto a disco ball yeah. that we then see, and it and it you know illuminates the room. And when I first saw that, I was like, oh, that must be CGI, because that would be so much work to do that um, to do that uh actually practically and then by the end of it i went back to that first i was like holy shit like he did all of this him there's no there's no trickery <laughs> there's nothing going on here it's just him in a room setting up all of the lighting cues setting up all of the camera changes uh, 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 and and just doing it over and over again until it works and it is a phenomenal experience it really is um mm-hmm. do, do, do you i know it's hard to pick but do you have a favorite song from this it is uh
1: it changes. It honestly, it changes. <laughs> yeah. It, I yeah. at the minute, it it does it does change a lot. I I, I think yeah. weirdly, like there's obviously there's a lot of like really really deep stuff. Like I love how Bo Burnham, uh, melds his like deep thoughts and musings with the the comedy song. Yeah. Um, having said that, a song that is on my mind at the minute, and I just really am appreciating more and more, is the White Woman's Instagram song. Um, yeah. And I'll tell you why, because on first listen, you could be forgiven for thinking that that is just him poking fun at white women doing the same thing on Instagram. Yeah. Then, and it is brilliantly observed. It is as well, yes, like yes, it is. It's
0: good. so so well observed. And, and like the like, if, if you haven't seen it, he's kind of as he's mentioning it, it, like as he's listing off these things that, that that white women do on Instagram, he is showing himself doing them in yeah. like just the most accurate depiction of them I've ever seen. All
1: the in Ema's words, my wife's words, right after that song finished, she said that was the most aesthetic thing I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> um so and, and she Emma uh, felt slightly personally offended by it but uh, <laughs> yeah but my point is that even in that song in the bridge he he, mm. he starts like he breaks it down and starts singing really earnest earnestly uh about like he was he pretends to be a woman whose whose mother has passed away t- a decade yeah. before and he's singing he's singing to his to the mother like like some people do on social media they'll put up Messages saying it's been ten years since they're gone and saying I miss you and he it's so earnest, but and then taking like keep I keep reflecting upon this and if you take it into the context of the whole show, where he's got like welcome to the internet and he talks a lot he talks a lot even in his interviews and and his career in in general so far about how the internet is preying on our souls and the internet Mm. is making us be someone who we don't want to be and I just really felt to myself like that song. Is actually yes, he is making fun of white women on Instagram, but it is also showing that these actually are some people who are able to be genuine on the internet, yeah, and they absolutely. And, and they're and they're able to you know portray that part of their soul without I don't know that in that moment it's like they're not trying to be someone else they're not trying no, they are yeah. just talking to their dead relative and yeah
0: I, I, absolutely sorry carry on
1: well no, I was gonna I was gonna say and although like you know there may be an aspect they're somewhere in there of like they're doing that for attention but at the same time i don't think that's the comment he's making he's making the fact that this is honest and earnest and uh it's it's a it's a lot different than a lot of the things you see on the internet
0: yeah, and I, I think that's absolutely borne out by the sort of presentational element. So, like, when it gets to that middle eight where he, he stops, you know, the song is all, you know, like a a, la- a golden retriever and a flower crown, all this kind of stuff yeah. that you'll see on... Um, a goat cheese salad. Uh, on Instagram. Goat cheese salad, yeah. And then it gets to this middle eight where it just starts... It's, it's essentially, you know, like, this just message to one's dead mum basically and the screen is shot in a in a, i don't actually know what the aspect ratio of a phone is considered to be but it's square. very you know like oh that, that, yeah, that's an
1: instagram one so it's a square
0: okay yeah um but but the aspect ratio widens and it's very deliberately like it's this just brilliant sentimentality to say look the, the white women on Instagram—it's a trope. A lot of this is very, very well observed and accurate, but there is some legitimate human connection in this. Yes, and that, and and I feel like a lot of the music, and not just the music, just the stuff he says in this—it gets very dark. Um, it get and it, and it it could be depressing, but there is always that kernel mm-hmm. of positivity in everything that he does. Where he, not not in every single song, there are some like uh, which we'll get onto in a minute, like "Welcome to the Internet," where it's just like. okay this is this is like this is bad what like what we're what we're what we're seeing here Mm -hmm. but um but a lot of a lot of the stuff that he sings about that there is this just capacity he has for finding the human connection the sentimentality and something even while making fun of how how false it often is um excuse me and i I think white Woman's instagram absolutely to me is um is one of one of the the best examples of that in this. I I also I feel like I need to point out the um I don't even know the name of the song. I think it's called "I Feel Like Shit," which is to me the the catchiest song on the whole. Oh really? On the whole. Uh, I love that song so much, and it's it's kind of like a uh, it's it's um oh, what is his name the guy the guy who did um Uptown Funk Bruno Mars. Oh yeah. yeah. It's like a it's like a Bruno Mars style kind of party anthem, <laughs> but it's him singing about how fucking how shitty feels all the time. Uh, and it is, um, it has the best use of the line, big old motherfucking duffel bag of shit, which just makes me cackle with laughter every time I hear it. Um, that is so, so funny. And, and, and I have to mention, we just mentioned it there previously already, but, um, welcome to the internet, um, where Bo Burnham, like, kind of transforms himself with these mirrored glasses into this <clears throat> kind of maniacal top hat wearing, um, what are they call the guys who like run the rings at the circus? Yeah, uh, ringmaster. <clears throat> yeah, like a ringmaster, like basically singing about what the internet can provide you and yeah. how it's all terrible. Uh There's just so many uh, good songs in this, and they just keep coming.
1: I think like Welcome to the Internet for me. There's a lot in that one that sort of arcs back to some stuff from the past. So he actually wrote a song back when he was like sixteen, seventeen, when he was he was one of the first. Like he doesn't like the term, but he's not gonna to listen to this, so I don't mind. Uh YouTube, <laughs> YouTube sensations, you know? Yeah. Like he only I think he only had like thirteen videos back on YouTube when he was thirteen. And he's such a he's 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 so hard on himself that even at that age, he hated the fact that he got um he he got popular on YouTube. And he wanted and he hated the fact that he that these other comedians would view him as getting his, his, um his success overnight. So therefore yeah. he made himself in a way i I believe he stopped doing youtube in a way to try and please those older comedians um and there's a lot of interviews you can hear from him where he he, there's even one where he does with mark maron and he's like talking about how he wants their respect and as and, and it they a lot of them also made made comments about him early in his career about the fact that he was too young and also he uses music which is not real comedy um yeah and I just love where he's where he's come to now, where he's completely embraced what he is, and he's, yeah. he's actually he used to say that maybe one day I'll not do the music anymore, I'll just do stand up comedy, but he since realized and reflected and thought, no 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 no, I this is my this is like my thing, and this is this is what I should be doing, and even to the point now where instead of transcending away or like I wouldn't even say transcending, moving away from the music into a normal stand up comedy, he's transcending the music, and I. I find it even hard to call it a comedy special. Like, it's well, yeah. I was going to say. I mean, the second half
0: isn't really comedy. No. Like, there's a it's it, it. There are still jokes in it, but mm-hmm. it certainly becomes something far more. Prof- well, not not say comedy can't be profound, but it becomes something maybe more profound than you would expect from a comedy special on Netflix, which let's yeah. be honest, the majority of which are someone standing on a stage telling dick
1: jokes or whatever um, yeah, and the thing as well is is that he's he's actually improving at, well they all try to improve but he's actually changing what he's doing he's not he, he's, I, I was expecting him to be like every other comedian that's why I said I expected him to come out and just play his piano and yeah. sing his songs and that was going to be it and that, I was going to love them but that was going to be it because every other comedian finds their neat niche they find their thing and they do it for 40 years yeah you know I just love yeah, and, and, yeah. he, and I I think
0: that, that like leads us quite naturally into discussing something that you're you're much more um able to talk about than I am or, or talk about um intelligently than I am, which is that there's a song in this called Problematic where he talks about his, you know, past self and basically saying why isn't the internet holding him accountable for all the shitty stuff he's done. And I think this this show is really like in, is really interesting when viewed in the context of the stuff he has done previously. Um so I I had seen bits and pieces of his work before this. Um I immediately went and watched Make Happy and Alive? And what? And what? I don't know why I think, keep thinking it's called Alive. Like it's I think but, that Oh, but,
1: um, is it is it just that the intro has something to do with alive? You know, where he pretends to be, it might the, do, pretends yeah. to be the dinosaur.
0: It could be. It could be. Yeah, but but um, but it's really interesting going back and watching those, and I I really wanted to get your take on this because coming to them fresh in the year twenty twenty one, there are to be honest a few jokes that are like oh that hasn't aged super well, and and to be clear, they were made in twenty thirteen and twenty sixteen, so twenty sixteen not that long ago, twenty thirteen. The world was kind of changing a bit in terms of what you could joke about then.
1: Um, I, I think, but- I think uh, viewing any comedy from the past has to be viewed in context. So I think yeah. I think the stuff that he's done in his big specials could I think when I think most people would just view it in the context. I think maybe he used the f word, uh, derogatory word for uh, did, homosexual, yeah. at least once. I don't know if he would do that anymore. Having said that, um, having, having said that, he has talked extensively about like. His decision he like okay, basically the the F word, and I disagree with the use of it, obviously, um, and I think he probably would now as well, because one of the reasons that he one of his comedy heroes obviously was Louis C. K. Which was probably yeah. the same as everyone until Louis C. K. it came out what happened. And knowing Bo Burnham and knowing like his interviews and how he talks about like being cancelled and stuff, um, mm. I think he would fully support what what happened to Louis C. K. Having said that, um back in the day, he actually appreciated Louis C. K how louis ck would talk about like um for example how he loved ewan mcgregor he thought he was he was, thought he was beautiful so therefore he would uh louis C.K. was like would would talk about how like you know he would let Hugh and mcgregor have sex with him and stuff so yeah. bo burnham used to say that he he, he actually liked that louis ck would break down barriers in terms of it doesn't matter if i'm gay or straight and just like you know just be like that's so that's why bo burnham on stage he'll he'll purposely um, say things that might make it seem like he's gay, even though he's not, right? Yeah. Um, but one of the other things that he liked about Louis C.K. was that Louis C.K. Transitioned the, the F word into being like the word idiot. Uh, and I think yeah. that was a, an early 20s Bo Burnham misunderstanding, actually, uh, what you need to be doing that with that word. You know you know what I mean? That's yeah. What I
0: yeah and I, I, to be honest, I know the exact stand-up you're referring to the, the exactly louis ck stand-up you're referring to and i think at the time i watched that and i was like oh you know that that is an that's it's interesting to see someone um trying to i guess reclaim that word obviously i think in in hindsight um someone who
1: isn't homosexual trying to reclaim yeah the problem
0: word, yeah, yeah the problem is is like yeah like louis ck is a straight white guy and it's not really his words to reclaim <laughs> yeah um same goes for for some some racial epithets that he uses yeah. for the exact same reason mm-hmm. um i don't you Know I, he I, he might have been well intentioned, and I'm sure, um, I'm sure Bo Burnham was well intentioned as well. Like, he strikes me as a very intelligent and thoughtful man. Um, but it's just interesting, I think, in the context of that problematic song. Um,
1: oh, I was just sorry, Conrad. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry to go back to that point. If you go back to his early stuff when he was a teenager, like probably 16 17, that's the stuff he's talking about. So, he actually had a song about Helen Keller, who is a deaf mute woman. Yeah. um where he he sang about she would be the perfect girlfriend uh and i'm sure you can understand all the sexist stuff that would go into that song um and he just he doesn't take the, it's on his youtube still i think he doesn't take them down because he just he he doesn't want to run away from it but i yeah. think he's got to the point where he's like like that that's what the problematic songs about it's like why isn't anyone coming at me for this like idea yeah. i did this i should be held accountable for it why is no one coming at me for this and he's just pointing yeah. it at himself you know and i
0: think it perfectly ties into what you were saying about him seeking the approval of le- legitimate um stand up comedians and uh, mm-hmm. or, or more i guess this idea of like worshiping your heroes there is that song that he sings in i think make happy where he's saying he's like raging against the fact that he's super successful. He's like, don't worship me. I'm a fucking stand-up comedian. Yeah, you know, yeah, worship yeah. like people who are successful. And obviously he manages to make it funny by still saying, I still want to get paid and make money. And, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but at the same time, you know, you should be out worshiping nurses or, or something like that. Uh, and and it's it just shows such such growth as a person to to write songs like that at the age of 30 as well like you know it's easy to watch this given how jaded and how upset he seems to be with the world and be like oh this is a man in his you know 40s having a crisis and it's like no he's 30 like he's only 30 Mm -hmm. and and he's he's already this reflective on who he was as a person he's already able to be this introspective without anyone forcing him to be and it's just he is he is such a good songwriter and the the narrative of this show is so so well realized i think um so we we talked about it briefly before but i think the first probably 40 minutes mm-hmm. is 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 you know pretty much comedy songs like they're still very well observed and very well written and they're very intelligent but then it sort of takes this downward trend mm-hmm. into his own depression um where he is he he's basically wrestling with the fact that the show is all he's dedicated himself to for almost a year at that point um and he doesn't know how to do anything else and he's scared of finishing it but um he also kind of hates it at the same time um and it's just a really interesting or really insightful view of depression i think um Mm -hmm.
1: and and that's something he's really really good at like i have no doubt that he was he was like he has suffered from anxiety and when he says in one of his songs that he, uh, that he quit uh, performing because he had panic attacks on stage he was having them mm. on stage but because his shows are so scripted um, people watching in the audience wouldn't even have known he was having a panic attack like he was saying the words and singing the songs on the out breath you know um, yeah. so knowing the history there's no doubt that on this in this year of like 2020 and everything that happened there's no doubt his anxiety and his depression read its head Having said that, um, he is always in the past made sure to to remind people that it is a show. Yeah, you know, and I think that that actually to me makes it even more genius because he's mm. perfect. Even though, I know he's going through it, but he's perfectly able to put th- put across his. Uh, feelings and like his even though like he has his girlfriend and and you know he had, i'm sure he has happy aspects of his life but he's able to like boil down that part of his life and put it in a way that's so relatable to everyone yeah. you know it's really really cool
0: yeah and, well and then you know he'll he'll as you say like he'll write a song where he's kind of jokingly but only half jokingly talking about killing himself mm-hmm. and then in this show he will then uh there's a, there's a spoken word section after that song where he's talking addressing the camera directly saying don't kill yourself doing it in a jokey way being mm-hmm. like just don't just don't kill yourself don't be an idiot and then there's another scene after that where him Saying that, and you know, saying "oh, just don't kill yourself" in this quite flippant way, is projected onto his own chest, with him just kind of looking down at it. Months and later, with longer hair and a yeah, beard. and it, it's just such a clever way to kind of reflect on on your own writing process and to show that writing process. And as you say, you know, it, it is all. It's I don't I don't think it's like a hundred percent performative because no. I do believe that he is feeling those feelings. Mm-hmm. Um I don't know I don't know if he's ever been. I wouldn't want to speculate necessarily on on uh, whether he's had suicidal thoughts before or anything, but but certainly the depression and the the the, the darkness in in what he's talking about, I think, is one hundred percent legitimate. But to be able to then take yourself out of that, like, as you say, and 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 make it like point at it, sort of shine a light on it as part mm-hmm. of a show, is just it is just exceptional. And you know, it. it I I don't want to. <laughs> we could go on about this show for a long time. <laughs> it is it is just phenomenal it is the best comedy show i have ever seen i think by a long way and yes it's not live it's not the kind of comedy it's you know it's not like i don't know sitting down and watching richard pryor or something like that like who you know is another comedian who i think did phenomenal stuff but it's i really can't recommend it enough i'd like have you have you got anything else that you would want to say about it in closing anthony
1: no, I honestly, yeah, I'm the same. I could talk about this forever. I'm probably gonna watch it, like, but I'll go. I'll, I'll, I'll watch it. I'll watch it like probably once every three months for the rest of my life. Like that's kind of yeah. like what I do. Uh, this Bo Burnham is is sort of one of the one of the people that I've always sort of. I'm the same age as him. We have the exact same experience in terms of the internet and stuff. Um, obviously, he had the little sensationy part which I didn't have, but um, but the same sort of age group, like you know, the same same reflection now to the younger generation below us. The yeah. same reflections of the older generation above us i've always <laughs> felt a kinship with bet Bo burnham which i'm sure millions of people around the world do um and what i love about it you know this is what i love about it, conrad is whenever most of the stuff in my life that i love i'll watch i'll watch it right and then i'll be thinking to myself i can't wait for the next one
0: mm-hmm.
1: i don't know what it is like Bo burnham stuff i know that there's gonna be another one maybe one day that i'm gonna love but but I'm like no I want this one you know I just want this one for a while you know, I don't yeah. I don't want the next one I want I want to be with this one for a while you know
0: Yeah it, it, it yeah I I I 100% know what you mean and I I I came away from this it's rare to it it's rare to come away from something being like watching that has literally changed my life Mm -hmm. um and i that sounds really like that probably sounds overblown and i don't mean in the sense that like oh it's opened my eyes to this new thing Mm -hmm. but sometimes you watch something and you're like oh there was a there was a time before this Mm -hmm. where i knew who bo burnham was but i didn't you know i wouldn't wouldn't really call myself a fan of his and there was a time after it where i was like no i will consume literally everything that bo burnham ever does Mm -hmm. from this point onwards because that has profoundly affected me as a person like that he has spoken to me maybe it's kind of like a post lockdown thing where like i i identified in what he goes through in this uh some of the similar feelings that i've had going through the lockdowns in in the uk but for whatever reason it like this this spoke to me and i just i cannot recommend it highly enough yeah same,
1: same for me exactly
0: um so yeah that's that's bo burnham's inside seriously go check it out um I'm. I'm going to mention one more thing now. This. Uh, there's going to be a light-hearted end <laughs> to this week's episode. I didn't mention it in the intro because I wanted to. I wanted it to be a bit of a surprise. But I <laughs> went round to my 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 partner's parents' house this weekend, and we got an outdoor cinema set up, and we bloody watched Greece for the first what? time. <laughs> so, it's for the, the first word. time, I hear it's the word. <laughs> it is, it, it, yeah, it is the word. That's true. <laughs> uh, for the and we watched that for the first time since I'm going to say. 1995, like ish, is the last time I saw Greece. Um, it's still, you know, what the music in Greece is still really good. Yeah, yeah, I
1: yeah.
0: will, I will say that there's a lot of very sexual language in this movie that I do not remember being in in there. So we, we've got them talking about, and I wrote them down: <laughs> pussy wagons, <laughs> gangbangs, and flogging your log are mentioned in this PG film for children. Is you say
1: gangbang was mentioned? Yes. Yeah. Now, um, now, is it mentioned in the sexual context, or is it mentioned in the context of gang bangers?
0: No. Like, so Rizzo and um, Kaniki are in are in his broken down car, going off to they're driving up the hill to make out point or whatever and two of the other two of the other t-birds are in the back and rizzo turns around to them yeah t-birds uh she turns around to them and say what do you think this is a gangbang and then makes them get out i was like jesus christ (laughs) i watched this movie when i was like six (laughs) yeah
1: yeah, exactly (laughs) And you know
0: john travolta or danny zuko excuse me talking about how the the canicky's car is going to be a real pussy wagon
1: yeah it's like wow uh also Craterface, face. What a what a legend! Um, oh yeah. But let's be honest, guys. Like we we slag off as a society these days. The Little Mermaid for like being a lesson in how to change for your man. Look no further than Greece.
0: <laughs> yeah, I I was I was watching this movie, being like, does Danny? I don't remember. Does Danny Zuko have an arc in this? It doesn't really <laughs> seem like he's changed much from the beginning <laughs> to the end of this movie. And instead,
1: Sandy is just like, you know what? I'm going to do all the changing here because he's not going to. Um, well, Danny Zuko actually went backwards because at the start of the film, he's like coming out of his summer lovey-dovey, you know, nice yeah. guy. And he actually just reverts back to what he was before. So yeah, he, does. He, re- <laughs> he regresses.
0: Yeah, his art goes lovey-dovey, summer-loving guy, then to biker who makes fun of Sandy in front of his friends because he doesn't want to be embarrassed about going out the square, to threatening to change by becoming a bit more preppy and wearing like letter jackets and then sandy's like no don't worry about it you don't have to change and he's like yeah screw that and (laughs) then goes right back to being the badass biker and she wears uh, skin tight leather pants for him and
1: smokes um and uh, yeah i what did you think of french frenchy which one's frenchy i don't remember one who uh, blondes have more fun she uh the one who dyes her hair blonde uh because oh yeah she is only uh, a I believe out of the the main sort of teenage cast, she's the only one who returns for Grease 2.
0: Oh, okay. Because, you That's know, she's a, she's
1: a beauty school dropout.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, so she goes
1: y- back to high school.
0: Oh, okay. That's an odd member of the cast to return. But I guess they couldn't bring Danny and Sandy back because they'd flown off in a car somehow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they flew Um, the moon. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, it's, uh, I mean, Frenchie's pretty good. All, all of the cast are okay. I have to be honest. Like, I watched this movie and I was like, this music is great. I'm not going to watch that I'm not just not going to acknowledge the narrative of this at all because it's teaching a horrible lesson to,
1: <laughs> to everyone involved. I'll just I'll just say before you go right it is a real I never even thought of this before but it is a real bugbear of mine in films when they end with something completely world breaking like a car flying away I know yeah. it's a musical but still end it with a car flying away and then just have a sequel and there's no flying cars in it like Yeah what, what that like i hate <laughs> when films do that what what yeah what happened
0: here yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> guys was that them just driving off uh, and and but but represented with some stylistic choices um <laughs> yeah it's like the end of um, they never made a sequel to this so fortunately it doesn't matter but um they uh the, at the end of the street fighter live action movie um all the cast like turn and pose towards the camera uh acknowledging the fourth wall i was like what are you uh, what uh, this hasn't been done at any point in this movie <laughs> what's happening it's just yeah I, I i guess in street fighter i quite like it because that movie is comedically bad whereas like or comically bad rather whereas Grease is still good still fun um some yeah there's some
1: problematic stuff in there though I'm gonna say oh, I haven't seen Greece in over ten years, so I'm not sh- I'm sure there is. Some problematic stuff in there that we're not mentioning. Yeah. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of like kind of
0: boys will be boys humor with like Kaniki, uh, like crawling under the bleachers to look mm-hmm. up girls' skirts and um, and 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 jokes jokes about how um, you can't take a boy to the dance um, to one of the male characters, which is very much like, I mean, well, I guess that that joke is very age appropriate for the uh, for the 50s or early 60s, I guess. I, well, to the say. thing is,
1: like, there's still probably a lot of places in the world today. Well, obviously, the world. We'll say even America today. Yeah. Where that would be the rule. Actually, I even I even think some schools in Ireland are like that, where they say you can't if yeah. if it's an if it's an all boys and all girls school, they'll say you can't take a same sex partner to the to, yeah. to the dance.
0: Well, th- there was that um, there was that absolutely shocking uh adaptation of a broadway musical i think it was called the prom i did watch it with james corden where it's basically about a a a gay girl who wanted to bring her girlfriend to the prom and um the the pta weren't letting her do it and it became like a big news thing so a bunch of like stars from broadway come to um come to her town to Mm. like protest on her behalf because they're actually like washed up stars and they want to get their names in the papers um and it was a, a absolute piece of shit of a movie and i hated every minute of it uh but but yes so that's certainly still a thing that occurs um but it's kind of a shame to see it in such a light hearted uh light-hearted uh bit of fun as yeah. Greece. but still it's not bad um but i think i think that's going to do it for us here the best movie podcast ever um once again please go watch inside you'd be doing yourself a uh a massive uh disservice if you do not and if you, I think if, you is- if you
1: have struggled with this year with the last like sort of 20, 12 months and you are sort of in a in a low at the minute maybe don't watch it but yeah it, yeah but it's, it's actually it's a flip of a coin maybe it'll help you or maybe it won't but either way even retrospectively on the year it really really hits you know
0: yeah it definitely does um and it's certainly, yeah, it's certainly profound. I will say that much for yeah. it. Um, but yeah, so that's going to bring us to, uh, quite naturally, uh, answering the the question that we always answer at the end of this show, which is, uh, Anthony, what is your favourite movie?
1: I'm not going to joke this week. It is Bo Burnham's Inside.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a unanimous decision this week, folks, because I am also going to say Bo Burnham's Inside. It is a tremendous show. Mm-hmm. Um, please join us I just put my hand in front of my mouth as I started saying that so that's gonna that's gonna transmit brilliantly <laughs> please please join us uh, for next week's show where I I'm not sure what we're going to watch yet maybe it'll be Quiet Place 2 maybe it'll be something else we'll see when we get there Um, thank you to Nancy Wyatt and Jared Ascariot for the use of our theme song Uh, check out the link to their stuff down in the uh, down in the description below and thank you to you for joining us please uh, consider subscribing to us we are the uh, Culture Cave on YouTube or the best movie podcast ever on podcasting apps Um, give the show a like or a view that really does help and we will see you same time same place next week
1: and cut (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.